2: to another episode of Adventures in the Spirit on the Charisma Podcast Network. We live in exciting times. The wonderful Holy Spirit is doing greater things daily through people like you and me. I want to encourage you to rate and review this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen in so that other people will subscribe and be empowered through this weekly program. And as this podcast continues to grow and improve, blessing people around the world, will you consider praying for us every day, but also partnering with us financially? A donation of any size is greatly appreciated. But if you give $25 a month or $300 or more a year, we'll send you free resources such as books and curriculum and other things that we're working on throughout the course of the year. And we'll continue expanding and teaching people how to hear God and move in his power every day. Thank you for praying and partnering with us. Please go to our website, www.firebornministries.com and click on donate or even set up monthly auto pay. Now here's a word about a resource that we have to offer you.
1: Right before Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave his disciples the Great Commission, promising them the precious gift of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. With the Holy Spirit as your teacher, Jared Lasky developed a new Bible study journaling system that is sure to equip you in your adventure with God. The Spirit-Empowered Journal offers life-changing steps that will enhance your biblical studies. This journal will not only help you know how God spoke in the Scripture, but also what He is speaking to you now. This is an incredible approach to Bible study, empowering your spiritual journey. Your relationship with the Holy Spirit and understanding of the Scriptures will increase as you use the Spirit-empowered journal. Buy your paperback copy on Amazon.com or FirebornMinistries.com.
3: I'm Mike Marisi, and I'm ordained as a pastor. I am the director of Campus Harvest, which is a nationwide ministry that's designed to just share the gospel in a pure and authentic way and to share the love of Jesus on college campuses. I am happily married to the best woman on the planet. I've had five children, two of whom are already in heaven, and uh, we can talk about them that a little later, if you'd like. I just want to do anything that I can to introduce people to the love of Jesus. It's just, it's a passion that's inside of me that helps people just to try to do whatever I can to help people find their way and recognize that the way is through relationship with Jesus.
2: When I was kind of meditating on this, I kind of wanted to talk about how you received your call into ministry. I felt that calling was something that we should discuss because there may be listeners who are questioning their call or trying to figure out how God may call them or Mm -hmm. even some, some are walking in their calling, but how did you receive your call into ministry?
3: So it's really interesting because I've, I've been in the corporate world most of my life, and I've always tried to be, uh, even in a secular world, in a secular business world. I've tried to be a Christian business leader, so someone who had values and integrity and character, and also was empathetic and a servant leader, and tried to empower people. and And when when I launched People Express Airlines back in 2012 and through 2014, I believed that that was the platform that God had given me, because every new employee, the first thing that we would tell them. Is, is that we are um, leaders, all the leadership, the senior leadership team in the company are leaders that love Jesus. We don't demand that you love Jesus, but we do have an expectation that the character and the values of the Bible would be adhered to. That we we welcomed prayer. We had a private room where you could go for prayer anytime you wanted if you were an employee there. And and even for its short time, People Express was one of those companies where if you went to check in for the airline to take a flight and you were to tell the girl behind the counter or the person behind the counter that you were flying to another city because you'd had an emergency in your family or somebody was hospitalized or there'd been an accident or something, it was not uncommon for them to stop what they were doing come around the counter and ask you if they could pray for you and so that happened a lot in the short time that we were there and then we had a you know a freak accident where a truck hit the side of one of our airplanes at a critical time in our in our operation that essentially crumbled the business uh, and shut us down and so I was kind of crying out to God saying I don't get it what you know this, I thought this was the platform that you had for me. I thought that I was honoring you and doing everything that you wanted me to do. And I just felt like I heard him say, Now I want you to just come do something for me. So I immediately jumped into ministry. <laughs> now, I'm not so sure that he necessarily wanted me to go into full time ministry, but it did lead, doors did start to open starting in 2015 with Campus Harvest coming my way and some other organizations that would hire me. So ministry became kind of a path, and God has just revealed more and more more of that over the years. I think it's important, though, that we may feel like we're being called into a specific thing, but to really try to discern what he means by by the call that he's put in your heart. You know, because uh, when I look back, I, like I said, I'm not sure that going into full-time ministry was what he had in mind. I just think that he wanted me to really, everything to be focused on him as opposed to trying to build a business that met the world's guidelines. Mm-hmm campus harvest would you mind giving us some background as to
2: how open yeah so
3: you know i lost my son in 2012 uh he had battled for a long time with opioid addiction he was a firefighter that got injured at a fire and ended up on opioid drugs you know what most people don't realize is that after about 12 or 13 days your body is now starting to develop a physical addiction to those drugs and some of us you know, are strong enough to just finish our two weeks or four week dose and then put them down and walk away. And for some reason, you know, some of us don't have that ability and his injury resulted in multiple surgeries. So he had several months of these and it resulted in an addiction. And I lost him in 2012 and I felt in my heart, like I wanted to help young people, especially college students, understand that their identity doesn't have to conform to what the world says it's supposed to. So when you're on college campuses, you can either stand alone and be a Christian and live your life the right way, or you can kind of go with the crowd. And what I felt was a message that needed to be shared was to tell them you don't have to try to fit in down here. All you have to do is just live your life according to what God's called, who God's called you to be. And so I got opportunities to start speaking on some campuses through an organization called drugfree.org. And and then I met Ron Lewis, who was a pastor, uh, Durham, North Carolina, and Rice Brooks, who wrote the movies, God's Not Dead. And in 1990, they had formed Campus Harvest. Campus Harvest was designed to, like I said, just share the love and the hope that's found in a relationship with Jesus. It's not about religion on college campuses, but also to encourage college college students to go to church on Sundays, to find a local church and to plug in, to develop that relationship and that family atmosphere and to surround themselves with people who would help them to develop in their faith in essentially what is today almost a war zone for Christians on campuses. And they were going to shut it down. And Ron felt like the Lord told him to give it to me and asked me if I would take it over. So the really cool thing is that I took it over in 2015 and we've, we've had some, just some wonderful, um, almost four years. Um, and now Ron and Rice would like to come back in. And so it's going to take a little bit of a different path starting in 2020. So we will have to get back together after that, but, uh, it's, it's an exciting time. I think that what we're finding now is that students are more receptive to hearing the Word of God if it's delivered with love and not condemnation than they used to be. So it's really a a great time.
2: And you'd mentioned loss in your life that I can identify with because I'd had a brother commit suicide Mm -hmm. who was addicted to drugs, who came to Christ six months before, and then Mm -hmm. there was mental illness that was involved there. Part of me, that's my story. And honestly, I was walking with Christ only a year and a half, two years at that point. But from that, I jumped into the presence of God because I could have chosen to go back into the world that I came out of a year and a half, two years before. Would you say that, and I know loss is very painful, but would you say that through that you got closer to Jesus... And then now he's kind of fueled your drive to reach more people, to rescue people?
3: There's no question. To be really transparent, not initially. Initially, I had a rough couple of months uh, after he had passed away um, because I, you know, like most of us, and I had been following Jesus for a long time. But like a lot of us were like, well, you could have done something about this what i ha- what I think is most important and the revelation I finally got was he did do something about it. He did exactly what needed to be done at that time. Philip was um saved, and I know where he is, and I know that I'll have an opportunity to see him again and I'm grateful for that. Uh, I think sometimes we forget that 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 God has a perfect plan for us, and it's not going to look the way we want it to. And the beauty of it is is that we don't really have to understand everything that happens. All we have to do is trust Him and have faith. And that's where I'm at today. So today, no matter what happens, and I've had a lot of storms, but one of the things that a friend of mine reminded me of a long time ago was that in the worst storm described in the Bible, Jesus just grabbed a pillow. (laughs) (laughs) So, So we tend to sink into anxiety and stress and worry and concern. And in fact, if we just stay focused on him, recognizing that he's working something out for us, that'll be better for us in the long run, then we can go into it with peace. And, you know, so now I just say, you know, to, to the winds and the storms, just be still. So long answer to your question, but yes, there's no question that I've learned so much since the death of my son that I think has changed my relationship significantly with him and my desire to share who he is with people has um, been amplified as a result
2: right that's always very important that people not only know our story but also the story of those we've lost mm-hmm. because my brother's story still goes around the world
0: mm-hmm.
2: especially around this time of year uh, that we're currently recording october november and people will email you know from around the world that the story touched them that mm-hmm. they maybe experienced something similar and here it is almost 20 years later. I mean, it still hurts. Yeah, of course it does. But I've been through a process of healing. I believe that we can be healed, but also in the process of healing. But that drives me just to run closer to Jesus and to point people to Jesus and to pull people up out of the pit, Mm -hmm. no matter what they're going through. So you'd mentioned this is a part of your background, but Jesus is through all of that. Have you seen through your ministry of Campus Harvest or elsewhere how God has used that story to rescue people, how to pull them up out of the pit?
3: I think, you know, um, yes, there have been a lot of examples that uh, that I could share that were almost immediate where you get an opportunity to talk about your son, what he went through, what happened, why he wasn't uh, able to get healed, where he placed the importance of his identity in such a way that it was hard for him to accept healing because by accepting healing, you have to accept that title addict. And I think a lot of people are worried about that. A lot of people hesitate to go into rehab because they're concerned that now they'll be labeled an addict. And my message is addict's just a title. It's just a word. But really what you are is you're a son or a daughter of Christ. And if you recognize that first, then however the world labels us doesn't matter. What I really hope is that in sharing his story, and like you, I have shared it on some websites and stuff that have gotten messages from people that will say it really impacted their lives or changed their lives. I just hope that we can plant a seed, even as small as a mustard seed, in the heart of someone who will say, I don't have to try to fight through this on my own. I don't have to use my own strength to try to get through what the world has thrown at me and what's happening to me today because I've got Jesus on my side and he's fighting the battle for me. All I have to do is trust him. And once you get that revelation, once we recognize how much he loves us and what he will do for us, the peace that comes over us is, its you can't, you can't compare it to anything else. I don't believe that there is a way to truly experience peace unless you're walking hand in hand with Jesus. And so many people are struggling so much with what's happened to them in this world. And, and they get this feeling of, well, this is all it's ever going to be. This is who I am. You know, I'm not... Um, I'm never going to be anything different or anybody else. And and, and the labels that people put on me, you know, whether it's I'm divorced or I'm an addict or I'm an alcoholic or I'm whatever it is that the world says you are, stop for a second and go, that's not who I am. I'm a son of God. And as, as a son of God, I've got somebody fighting my battle for me that I don't have to do it on my own. And that's the message. That's the message that I hope people will get if I get an opportunity to talk with them is... I don't have to do this on my own because you can't. The powers of evil and of Satan are too strong. The powers of temptation and the powers of what the pressure that's put on us in this world today to try to conform to what the world says we're supposed to be is too strong to handle on our own if we we feel like it's not where we want to go.
2: Identity is a critical key for all of us, and I believe that that's a message that has resurged in the body of Christ. You're one of the founding members of the Virginia Revival Alliance. You've been part of a number of different movements, such as Campus Harvest, you mentioned, Awaken the Dawn, and we just are on the several weeks out of Virginia Power and Love, which had a strong message of identity. Mm-hmm. What is it that you see God doing in this current season with that message of our identity in Christ?
3: I, I I think just like what we were just talking about, I think what God wants us to understand is, and what Todd White, you know, speaks over and over again, and William, the whole Power and Love movement is about we are sons and daughters. And I think it's hard for people to wrap their heads around that, to say, the thing to remember is that when Jesus was speaking to his disciples right before, and he taught them how to pray. He said, our Father who art in heaven. He didn't say my Father. And I think there's a message in that that is lost in today's church teaching, and that is that you're a son or a daughter, and that's your identity. And if we can remember that, then the identity that the world tries to put on us doesn't matter to us anymore. And I think God has moved us to that being a message because once you realize that you're a son or a daughter of Jesus, at that point now, you can walk through and navigate through the storms that life will throw at you without any problem. Because you can walk through bold with, with the full armor of God on you saying, I'm a son of God. I don't have to listen to you I'm not here to please you. I love when Todd White says, I, hey, I... I I'm not here to please you. I don't really care whether you like me or not. I don't really care whether you remember my name tomorrow or not. All I want you to understand is that you're a son or a daughter of God. He loves you. He loves you and he'll meet you right where you are. And the moment you give everything to him and surrender and say, I'm going to turn from what I've been doing and I'm going to follow you. Now you have a new identity. You're born again. You're not the old Mike or the old Jared. You are new in him and you have a brand new identity. So you can wash away all this stuff. That the world's been throwing at you all this time. And you can just say, no, no, I'm, I'm clean. And all I'm focused on right now is living my life to please Him.
2: I love that. You are a connector and you've done big events. You had mentioned a few weeks ago that you were part of Awaken the Dawn. I think the planning team. Mm-hmm. What are some principles that you've learned that are key to the anointing of these epic events that have taken place?
3: Well, I did. I had the opportunity in 16 to work with Together on their leadership team, the Together's in D.C., and then at in the Dawn for 2017, and then 10 America for 2018. And what I think is important, I, I love these big events. What I think is important for us to do when we plan these events, though, is to have a follow-up. I think There's an old phrase, I don't remember where it really started, but it's called hit and run evangelism. And it's one of those things that I that has happened throughout history. But I think that it's important that when we plan these big events, that we also, and that was what was so beautiful about the Virginia Power and Love. We had 75 local churches jump on board and say, we're in. We're going to support this. We're going to promote it. We're going to attend. And then we're going to pour into the lives of our people who come and are impacted by it. That's the key. The, the most important thing. So there's some big events coming up in 2020 all over the country. And I, what we're starting to see now is that the leaders of these are recognizing that if someone gets invited to one of these events and comes, but is not a follower, and hears something that causes that captures their heart and causes them to say, I don't want to live the way I'm living anymore, and I recognize now that living through Jesus is the only way to live if the next day they're surrounded again by all their frat brothers and sisters that want to go party, then they're going to lose that. And I think that's also almost more damaging than if they had not ever come. So I think it's critically important that when we build these events, that we build around a a team of people locally that are going to basically carry the torch afterwards and provide opportunities for people to press in somewhere and to and to be surrounded. I mean, you, the four or five people that you spend all your time with are going to determine the direction of your life. So if we could get them engaged in a church family or in a family in a ministry locally that is doing some great things and has the ability to just bring them alongside and love and teach them through this walk, then I think that that's the critical component to these big events moving forward. The other thing that I do love and I honor is like The Send and most of all the events that Lou has done his whole life, Lou Engel, they don't announce anything in advance about who's going going to be the speaker there. I think that's important because and I think that most of today's larger speakers uh, that are well known prefer that. They like the fact that people are coming because they are they recognize that there's something missing in their heart and they want to come and at least listen and see what's being said as opposed to people rallying around a celebrity preacher or speaker. So I think that's um something that we're starting to see moving forward as well. A lot of these new events that are coming up, they're not announcing speakers in advance. And I think that's actually kind of cool.
2: Quite honestly, that takes me back because I appreciated. it. I was 18, 19, uh, w- was still in Youth with a Mission, and I'd actually had a vision of this huge event on the Capitol mall. And then I'm at the school of ministry development in YWAM youth with a mission in Los Angeles. And Shayon is the Mm -hmm. surprise speaker, our last speaker, one day, two sessions. And then he shares with us Lou Engel's vision for the call DC. Mm -hmm. And I'd had all this in my journal and I was like, that's it. Mm -hmm. I'm going. And then the, the year 2000, comes around. I'm there. Hundreds of thousands of people. I've heard different four hundred thousand different numbers, but it was just come. Nobody was announced. It was just come, Mm -hmm. pray, fast, and it was the one of the most life transforming events of my life. I was wrecked, wrecked. But then after that, within a few weeks, was when my brother had died. Mm -hmm. So I was part of the call revolution, campuses, uh, public school campuses, but jumped into revival. Because through that loss, I jumped into the presence of God and we experienced revival for the next nine months in the church that I planted. And then several years later, I'm at the call LA with my, my new bride, my wife, powerful event. And then I kind of disappeared for a while, mm. Marine Corps, Iraq, Afghanistan for some years. I took my family to 2016, together 2016. Oh, my son and I went to the SIN, phenomenal events. And even that was life transforming i'm curious to see what god has next i see that the send has got three stadiums for brazil
0: Mm
2: -hmm. i believe in the prayer and fasting but at the same time incorporating that in being jesus everywhere we go Mm -hmm. the empowering and equipping people to go do what jesus did so i'm curious what 2020 what this next decade looks like what role do you think or what do you see god has you doing to be part of this next decade
3: I've always been a big believer that if we live our lives as sons and daughters of Christ, that that speaks volumes over just standing on a stage and speaking it. Um, there are some platform opportunities for me. I'm most interested in literally being one of those people who, when you walk into the room, people go, Ooh, there's something different about that guy, you know, and being able to say to people, it's just the spirit of God that lives inside of me because I came to Christ that way. I came to Christ because I was doing some security work with a a former Navy SEAL. So I thought this guy is really tough. But what I saw as I watched him over the period of a month right here on this campus, I saw a tenderness and a kindness in him that didn't fit with who I perceived him to be with the label that I had put on him as, you know, having been a warrior. And so I just asked him one day, I said, what, what is the deal with you? You know, you were a SEAL for 19 years. And I said, so, but you're so kind. And I watch you pray with people when tears run down your face. And he, and I was 35 years old and he shared the gospel with me. He said, You know, don't you have a relationship with Christ? And I said, Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. And he just laughed at me and he said, um, He shared the gospel with me in a way. That was so loving. And so, and I mean, it lit me on fire. I literally walked two feet off the ground, I think, for months. And so I, what I'd really like to do is to find a path and the one that God has prepared. And I don't really know exactly the way it's going to look. Probably by the time this is aired, I'll be deep in it. That allows me to just genuinely and authentically share the love of Jesus with people with an understanding that my life also has to represent the same thing. Because one of the things that I do, the messages that I do get from young people is the thing that turns them off from church. Is inconsistencies in behavior from the way somebody acts on Sunday and the way they act on Wednesday, and hypocrisy. You know, people who are living in a way that they know they're not supposed to, but standing in a pulpit on a Sunday and professing themselves to be followers of Jesus. And so I think that it's important that we that this next decade, that everybody who steps up and says, I'm a son of God and I want to share his love with you, had better be living that way. Because people are very smart. And the young people today are going to have to be reached a little bit differently than we have reached them in the past. They're so connected to what's going on all over the country and all over the world through social media, that they get these ideas in their mind. And some, Sometimes it creates barriers to welcoming someone's differing opinion. And so as we go out and share the love of Jesus with people, I think they're going to be open to it. But I think they're also going to be like a we'll see kind of an attitude, you know, to see if your words match up with who you really are. So that's critically important. There's some great events coming up in 2020. Together is coming back in July, July, I think, to the mall, June. Uh, So maybe it won't be quite as hot and we'll be able to get the whole thing in. You know, and I love what Nick Hall and those guys are doing at Together. They're they're it's just a it's an organization that lives every single day the way what you see is what you get. They love Jesus and every day their message is follow Jesus in order to to find yourself and find your life. So we'll see. The, the next decade is going to be interesting. It'll be my last one. I'm done. I mean, after ten more years, I just want to relax for a little while. But my wife tells me that I'll probably uh, either die at my desk or standing in a pulpit somewhere. So doing something for <laughs> doing Jesus. Doing something for Jesus. That's right. Spending time with them. Well, we'll never him? stop doing that. No, so not at all.
2: earlier, before this conversation, we we're having coffee, and you shared with me a story of how God healed you. I would love for you to share that with our listeners
3: yeah, sure so i i had I had done some mission trips and I had seen healings. I had seen remarkable things happen to other people. I had never personally experienced it. So I was uh, scheduled on a Tuesday for my third surgery of my left shoulder. Um, and it was a mess. It was, it was so bad that I literally had to carry my arm around because the, just the weight of my arm hanging down was too painful. I, there was so much damage in my shoulder. And on a Sunday morning, I was in church. And I sat up on the front row because I did security for the pastor and a man who I knew and his wife, who I had never met, they came over to me and said, she said, the Lord just sent me over here to pray for your shoulder. Well, no one knew that I was having surgery on my shoulder. I hadn't shared anything about, I just had, I'm kind of private when it comes to that kind of stuff. So I hadn't shared with anybody. So we're all standing because it's the middle of worship and she puts her hands on me and he does, and they start praying over me. And my wife comes back and she puts her hands on me. She doesn't know why they're praying for me me, but they're praying for me. And to be honest, I'm standing there going, okay, I'm in the front of the church. I really just wish that this wasn't happening right now. And uh, they get, she gets done and her husband says, how is it? And I said, oh, it's fine. It's good. Thank you. And they literally start to walk away and she stops and turns around and she said, look right at me. And she said, Jesus said, you're confused. You believe that I came over here just to pray for your shoulder, but I came over here because he's going to heal your shoulder so that you won't have to have surgery this week. Well, she got my attention now because, like I said, no one in the church knew that I was having surgery that week. So she put her hands on me and I felt just a tremendous amount of heat coming from her hands and my shoulder. And she walked away and she said, it is healed. And she literally just walked away. Really humble on her part, which I was really moved by. So I sat down for the service and I said to my whispered to my wife, I said, I'm going to put my arm around you. And she was like, no, don't, don't. Because moving my arm in that position... Would have been impossible when we walked into the church. So I did. I put my arm around her and I didn't feel any pain. And so now I'm sweating again. I'm thinking, okay, God, something's going on here. And long story short, the next morning I called the doctor's office and I said, Hey, I want to cancel my surgery for Tuesday. I don't need surgery anymore. And I just tell her I got healed in church yesterday and I the laugh on the other end of the line was was one that I was looking forward to meeting the person who did it. She said, okay, you can come on in. So, and I go in, soon as I walk in, she looks at the girl and says, she goes, this is the guy that got healed yesterday in church. And so so I thought that was kind of funny. Okay. So I go back into the room. Well, now the, the PA and a nurse and the girl she had just said that to at the front desk all come in to hear the story. So I share it with them. And as I'm sharing it with them, the doctor walks in and he says, I understand the Holy Spirit is messing with my surgery schedule for tomorrow. And I said, yeah, he just decided to give you a couple hour break in the middle of the day since you had so many back-to-back surgeries. He said, yeah, well, we'll see. And he proceeded to move my arm in every single direction that you can possibly move a shoulder with his thumb digging into spots that he couldn't touch just a week earlier. And he stopped and he just looked at me and he said, you don't need to have surgery on Tuesday. And the girl that was at the front desk had tears in her eyes because it, she recognized that I believed that I was healed by God in church. And now she was getting validation from a doctor that I did not need surgery. And that was almost three and a half years ago. And I have never had another problem with this shoulder Amazing. It is amazing. And so we ended up sharing the story in front of the church the next week. The pastor asked us to come up and share the story. And the funny thing is people started coming up to me for healing. I was like, no, 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 go to her. She was the one that healed. But the message that people need to know is that God still performs miracles every single day. We just have to choose whether we're going to believe in that and see them happening or not. Because Jared, you and I could sit here and compare stories for hours and and give specific examples of incredible miracles that have happened, whether it's through healing or through redemption of, of a lost or broken life or marriages that have been destroyed that are that there's, in the world's eyes, there is no hope for reconciliation that are now reconciled and the people are doing fabulous. I mean, I see that kind of stuff every day now.
2: I've personally experienced that because of Jesus.
3: Mm-hmm. Me too. <laughs> Me too. <laughs>
2: What would you like to impart to up-and-coming leaders in this emerging generation?
3: I think the theme throughout the Bible is to be bold in our faith, not to be afraid, to spend time in the Word every single day. The Word of God is alive in the Bible, and it comes to life, and we don't read it. Todd White always says we eat it. And I think that what he's trying to say is we're supposed to digest what we're seeing on on these pages as real. Imagine it happening. And then I think authenticity is critical. So make the decision that you're going to live your life in compliance with Jesus' command that says, if you love me, you'll obey me. Don't look at what you're giving up. Look at what you're gaining and do things for his glory and not your own. The, that kind of authenticity is what's needed to reach the next generation because they have a radar in them that will identify dishonesty or inconsistencies really fast. So if you're going to get out there and be bold in your faith and share your love of Jesus and live your life that way every day. Awesome.
2: What is the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you and your ministry?
3: I have a website. It's MikeMarisi.com and you can go on there and send me a message and I'll get it.
2: Awesome. Well, I honor you. I thank you for taking your thank time you, out Jared. of your busy schedule for this adventure in God. I'd like to just close in prayer. Yes.
1: Thank you so much for listening to our conversation in Adventures in the Spirit. We hope that Adventures in the Spirit encouraged and inspired you to press into Jesus and launches you into your own adventure. Subscribe to our podcast and go to our website, firebornministries.com, and sign up for our email list to stay up-to-date on Fireborn Ministries, and may you have your own adventures in the spirit.
0: The D.C. Big Flea Antiques event returns to the Dulles Expo Center in Chantilly, Virginia, September 23rd and 24th. Shop one-of-a-kind jewelry, art, mid-century, vintage clothes, sustainable, and so much more all at affordable prices. Why settle for ordinary when you can have extraordinary? The DC Big Flea, Saturday 9 to 6, Sunday 11 to 5, admission $10 at the Dulles Expo Center.